On episode 219 of the Goblin Trashmasters, we talk all about The Rock. I liked that Scorpion King movie. No, you didn't. Why are you saying she didn't like a movie? What does that mean? Also, we're talking about the archetype. No, we're not. Why are you doing this? I'm not doing anything. This is not real. The Scorpion God was better than the Scarab God. That's a bridge too far. Ensnaring bridge? Ignoring you. Let's talk some trash. Really? You draw the line at this? Fuck you, I'm doing the intro. Let's talk some trash. What's up, nerds? We are here to make your morning or afternoon or evening very nice or ruin Any time it. of the day. We're not particular. Yeah, we don't care. We, we Whether we ruin it or make it good, bad, in between, we don't really give a shit. Doesn't matter. We just want to have an impact, you know? Yeah, we just want to have, have an impact on your day because we care. We want yeah. to be involved in your day. Whether it's good or bad. Whether we take you to the doctor or just we're the reason you're going to the doctor. We want to know, how do you feel about your body when you stepped out of the shower and got a glimpse of yourself in the mirror? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it indifferent? Are you an well, eldritch we... horror who's, who, who, who escaped? Is your appointment to get your vestigial tail removed just continuously being delayed and delayed and delayed, and you can't stand the sight of it? We want to be a part of making you feel better or worse about that vestigial tail. And welcome to the Goblin Trash Masters, where we talk about Magic the Gathering. Purportedly. <laughs> Sometimes. Part of the time. <laughs> Part of the all the times. <laughs> the artist goblin, joined by my two co-hosts. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm joined by Ashley and Anthony, and we are three magic players who play competitively and want to get better at the game and help you get better at the game as well. And most of the things we talk about feel like we're in a car driving home from a GP. We're all getting better together, and we just wanted you to be included in that thing. And maybe some light bowling about the tail. Yes. Or not. We love you to your face. Yeah. But tis standard season. Rain the parasocial relationship upon us. Please. We are your friends. We are your friends. We are your friends. I don't think you're helping the parasocial relationship. It depends on which direction we want it to go. That's a fair point. Yeah. It's standard season. (laughs) Standard season. I love standard season. I love standard. I love playing standard. Anthony and stealing small things from a grocery store. You know who is loving standard? Who is really, truly, truly falling in love with playing the standard format? Is is last time somebody said that. Last time somebody said that to me, I had to go over to their house and get a rolled up list of the trader uncurled from their asshole. So please don't say you. I'm just kidding. I hate standard. Standard is the worst. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but there is a new Glissa in standard. There is. Glizzy? The Glizzy Gulper. <laughs> oh, no. Too many Glizzy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> speaking, speak, speaking of the Glizzy Gulper herself, we're here to talk about <laughs> Glissa, the whatever she's called in this iteration. The traitor? No, that's the old one. The Sun Slayer. Oh, yeah. She's for serious? Yeah, she's the Nightman. That reminds me of like, that reminds me of like the meme. That reminds me of the meme of like the Animal Crossing. Like there's something buried in the ground and it's just like, it mm-hmm. just says somebody's son. And, <laughs> and then it's just like, 
after one hour of Netflix and chill, and then it's just the hole that's been dug out. It's just like wide open. I'm just like, oh, oh, damn it, Tommy. Yeah, we're describing memes to you. That's the comedy that you came here to. That, to that's to the expect. reason you clicked this. Basic, basically, it's a conversation with an eight year old. You know, that's just Pretty like, much. hey, I saw this meme. I'm going to describe it to you. That's what you're here for. It's like the social equivalent of making somebody watch a YouTube video on your phone and watching them watch it. Like you do all the time? I do that shit all the time. I'm going to make you watch a YouTube video on my phone. You're going to have to hold my phone uh-huh. and I'm going to watch you watch it so I mm-hmm. know you're watching my recommendation. And you got to watch <laughs> yes. it right. You got to watch it right or else. Tell you to pay attention. Yes, you have. Buckle so up, God. it's 12 hours. Yes, It's that 12 hours about Elon Musk and the brave little toaster goes to Mars. Okay. Shout out to Biz Barclay. You should watch all of her videos. Okay, I will do. She's the one that did the thing on the Snape wives. That's right. Oh, hey, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll she also just released a really cool new video called What is Clue? I mean, what even is Clue? Well, it's a review of the original iteration of the board game, the iteration of the board game we know of today. And the movie Clue. Oh, that's specifically cool. how it relates to the Aristotelian unities. No wonder you love it. I I do talk about Aristotle's rules for drama a lot. You like really I bring do. them up. I bring them up more than a person should bring up most things. I'm gonna say. Yeah. I feel like one day we're gonna have like a whiteboarding session or a VOD review, like in our Discord, and you're just gonna lie to literally everybody that shows up. Like, nope, we're marathoning this YouTube channel. Y'all going to learn something today. <laughs> For real, we did a testing. Somebody thought there was a testing session going on in the Discord, and it was really just a live coding session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was actually pretty cool, yeah. So, so today, Kyle. No, Ashley, introduce it. So Kyle, the modern man, has become the standard stan. Yeah, that's weird. The modern and... man Van Gundy has become the standard stan Van Gundy. Ooh. That's <laughs> Ashley doesn't get it. She does I not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't, but I won't make you explain it because that'll be painful sports for you. ball. Ah, I see. That's enough. <laughs> hey, I once got in a physical altercation with Jeff Van Gundy. Okay, we're what? we're 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 putting magic discussion on hold. Fucking what? What? Got in a physical altercation with Jeff Van Gundy. But why? But but the story. What's the story? Oh, it was just over a souvenir basketball that was tossed into the crowd, and I went and I got it. And I just happened to tackle Jeff Van Gundy for it. What? Box him out. Wild. I was like 10. Oh, you you well, got to get those souvi- souvenir things that they shoot into the, the stands. They're more yeah. important than gold. Yeah. yeah and he just happened to sense. be at the same game, really sitting really close to me. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And why is everyone upset that I hit him? That's great. All right. Back into magic stuff. So today we're going to be discussing most likely one of the standard decks that you will see at an RCQ that you'll be playing this season. And before we get into like the, you know, the meat and potato of the deck, we're just, it's going to kind of be my little love letter to midrange because we're talking about BG the Rock, Golgari midrange in standard today. But yes, love it. You know, I love me a midrange deck and I love- I also love that matchup. The domain player? Sure. Because it's awful. We'll get into that. But I love I love me an overgrown tomb. I love Golgari. All that That's what stuff. I was gonna say. You love Golgari, yeah. But definition. What really is a mid-range deck? So the simple answer is mid-range is a strategy is between aggro and control. You know, it has aspects of both of those archetypes, but it's not completely an aggro deck. 
and not completely a control deck. Depending on the game, you can be aggressive or controlling. And that that's what makes the mid-range strategy powerful and honestly difficult to pilot and win with. Absolutely. It's the old 50% win rate that we always talk about. You you talk to a modern gun player, they'll talk to you about off about that. It's I'm you have two percent no, against the field. Yep, but <laughs> I'm, it's it's the I have no great matchups. I have no bad matchups. We'll just fuck it. We'll ball like you know. Mm-hmm. But you're able to be flexible and adapt to whatever your opponent's doing, and that's why a lot of people enjoy playing mid range. Absolutely, like we've talked about this before, is identifying what your role is in a match of Magic. Mm-hmm. Am I on offense? Am I on defense? Who's the beatdown kind of deal? Yes. Mm-hmm. Where like decks like Mono Red and Standard, they're saying I need to be the beatdown every time. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And decks like Domain are like I'm on defense every time until the, the time. very end. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mid range decks like Green Black Rock are happy being on defense. They're happy being on offense, and they're able to with great agility switch between the two roles as is necessary. And mm-hmm. they might switch back and forth multiple times over the course of a game that may be like oh i'm the beatdown okay now i'm on defense okay now i'm the beatdown and because they are not tuned to be specifically really planning on being one or the other for most of the game they're way better at functioning in both roles but much worse at functioning in either specific mono red is better at being a beatdown deck than green black rock is um domain is better at being the control deck than green black rock is but they're mm-hmm. but green black rock is better at being a control deck than mono red is being a control deck mm-hmm. and green black mm-hmm. rock is better at being a, uh the beatdown than domain is at being the beatdown it's confusing yep. but that is the nature of these mid-range decks i've definitely seen that in matchups with this deck being the mono red player i've definitely mm-hmm. seen the switch between them and mm-hmm. when i'm really sad because they're removing my creatures and even more sad when I'm running out of cards in hand, and they're playing creatures that are pretty impactful for them. They're starting <laughs> so. to turn that corner. Yep. And they could turn on a dime, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, especially in, like, like in your example with, like, the Golgari midrange deck and Mono Red, where it's just, there There are certain times where you see, you, you, like, in real time, you see them turn the corner, where it's, like mm-hmm. you said, removing the creatures, and then it's just, like, here's a two-drop, here's a three-drop, here's some pressure, animate some some of the lands, and just you know, go, go to town, whether it's whatever is legal in standard or treetop village, you know, <laughs> like mid-range decks in standard have had many different cards and color combos over the years, but most of them have been like BGX. Um, but, you know, a mid-range deck is still a mid-range deck, but the game plan has been the same. You know, that really hasn't changed. The cards may have different names and do different things, but they serve the same purpose in the deck. One or two mana hand disruption spells you know, a different type of Doom Blade or, you know, Terminate, you know, three drop, three drops that generate some form of value, four drops that help you close out the game, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, go on, you know, whether that, it's... That's your basic formula for a good mid-range deck, yeah. and the colors you're playing basically are determined by what lets you have all of those pieces. Uh, sometimes it's going to be green-black, sometimes it's going to be red-black, sometimes it's going to be... Uh, green red but usually it's gonna have black because black is where like the two mana unconditional mm-hmm. is or the most unconditional removal is gonna be mm-hmm. in this particular standard there's like three different color combos for red mid-range i feel like yeah yeah Ish. they're yeah. very black focused though 
Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. All of them have black. Because bitter triumph. Because mm-hmm. go for, go the, for throat, the throat. Because cut down. Um, and because shieldry. Yep. And the bat. Can't forget the bat. Yo, the bat is the fakakta bat. That fakakta <laughs> bat is really. I think that fakakta bat is actually just a very bad control card, and it's not one of the cards that goes in the middle. I think that's one of the cards that is really only good when you're on offense. But mm. access to the bat makes you a much better offensive deck when you're in that role. Drawing the bat when you're in a defensive role sucks. So, right now, in this standard, like we said, there's a decent amount of mid-range decks, but we're going to focus on the Golgari mid-range deck because... That's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about it. And, you know, I'm I'm leading this shit, and I want to talk about Golgari, goddammit. This is <laughs> Yeah. As for example deck, as for an example deck list of what we're specifically talking about, we're going to put that in the show notes. We're not going to like yes. read out a deck list and a bunch of card names to you. But we are going to talk about some of the considerations. Yeah, right. and we'll we'll go in like assuming you know a brief understanding of what these cards do, and if you're not sure, the deck list will be there, and you can look them up and kind of read along, you know, mm-hmm. as as we go through it in while you're car, driving. While you're you driving, know, yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, it'll be easy. You can multitask. Yeah, you do got it. two eyes. We all float down here. So we we did mention the Fakakta Bat, and we're gonna talk about the creatures first. Um, you know, like any good mid range deck, uh, you're gonna need some some really impactful creatures, and this deck is honestly full of them. Like the two drop slot with like Deep Cavern Bat, like has has been great. I really love that card. But I think the the one card that honestly, I mean, it might be a hot take, or I might just be completely you know lukewarm. But I think is the one of the best cards in the deck is Mosswood Dread Knight. That is just like the ultimate mid range card. It does both. It does. It both. does both. It helps you play defense. It helps you play offense. It helps you turn the corner and switch between the two. It's just it's so good. It right generates so much value. Muck in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And for some weird fucking reason, it has trample. Like, yeah. It was just helps the game plan even more. Like, you can just close out games so much quicker with this. It's recursive. You know, it, it generates card advantage. This thing is just the ultimate mid range card and a great two drop for this deck. You know, whether it was like, you know, two sets ago or like when it came out, like one or two sets, time is relative. But when it came out to now, like, it has mm-hmm. just been the the ultimate Golgari card. And like like we mentioned, the bat just being another, you know, take something out of your hand, have a 1-1 flyer with lifelink, that's great. And, you know, like we said, mid-range wants to be the beatdown and sometimes wants to be controlling. And like Anthony said, like we've been talking about, Mosswood Dread Knight is fantastic for that. And, I, you know, beautiful. I played against an opponent recently who had not one, but two Dread Knights on board. And let me tell you, that game didn't go well for the old mono red aggro player who was running out of cards in her hand. Yep. That one because, was like they get to they trade. They get to trade and it costs them one life to get it back each time. It costs them one yeah. life and two mana. And you really need to be applying so much pressure that spending four mana and a life to get a card and put a three two into play is bad for them. And that mm-hmm. just requires so much that asks so much of them. Because you're mm-hmm. not playing lightning bolt, you're playing stuff like play with fire, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Or lightning strike, and you know, you, yeah. like the mono red deck right now in standard is pretty creature based. Mm-hmm. And if it's not Phoenix Chick or like a, a celebrated, um, oh, what's the fucking three drop that I keep dying to? Uh, the legendary guy. Uh, the Godric. Dad Godric, that yeah. fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, if if you don't have any of your flying threats, like the the dread knights just just keep getting in the way and you know yep. h- help them close out the game. But yeah. I love that card. Well, so much and fun. The, <laughs> and the upside of play with fire is that if it damages a player, you get to scribe one. So you get to, you know, tuck a land if you don't need it because you'd rather draw a spell to get rid of a creature or hit them in the face. 
And, and it kind of feels you have bad to point when you're it, poking. Yeah, if you have to point it at something else, you don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, it's, like you being the, it, it. there are some situations where you kind of have to, but it doesn't feel yeah. great because like no. you want to, like you being the mono red player, you want to get your opponent dead no matter what they're playing. But just, just like mm -hmm. this 3-2 is just going to keep keep coming back and get in my way and just helping them get out of this game. But yep. yeah. Now, no mid-range deck would be complete with without the three drops. The three drop slot in this deck is oh, it's always always the three drops and like because three drops are like threats or answers. Mm -hmm. They can like your your most expensive like playable like interaction is gonna be hover around three. Mm -hmm. Your cheapest, scariest, impactful, sticky threats are gonna be around be three. three. Yep. So like it double dips. That's the thickest part of the foy and a meal foy. If we were to relate <laughs> this to baking. <laughs> that's the part in the middle of the sheet yes. of dough that hasn't gotten that that's got that's got dough that needs to be on either end still stuck in the middle so it's thicker mm -hmm. in that part tasty hey and we we mentioned it the old old glizzy glissa the sun slayer the actual a glizzy gulper herself her that <laughs> is just a that's a prime example of what anthony was talking about like this card is a nightmare in combat like first strike and death touch holy shit like whether it you're a whether you're the beat down with Glissa or you're being very defensive with it, your opponent just goes, I have to kill it because any, mm -hmm. any, every part of this card is bad for me. This requires a removal spell. It requires, like, you gotta do it because the first strike and death touch is great, but the fact that when it deals combat damage, like, when it deals combat damage to a player, you can draw a card. You can remove counters, which is honestly from a, from a permanent. You move three counters from a permanent, which is oddly, you know, relevant. And another big one, which I think is great in this standard particularly, is it destroys enchantments. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that you can swing with your Glissa and your opponent's like, I have to keep my creatures, it hits you, and then you blow up their virtue of, virtue of loyalty or their wedding announcement. Like, that's fantastic. Wow. Like, love it. Great three drop. Another one, it's one of my favorites, is it's a one of. It's Gix, Yawgmoth's Praetor. Yeah. Hell yeah. No Another another threat that just accrues card advantage, you know, like it doesn't make combat a nightmare, but it makes it a little sticky. You're like, you know, it, I don't want to take a bunch of damage, but I don't want you to have a bunch of cards. It does make night combat a nightmare, though, because like all of a sudden your deep cavern bats that like they're in play. They've done their damage. I can ignore them. I'm getting pecked for one a turn out. Mm -hmm. It is a problem, it, especially with the deep cavern bat. I like that you bring that up because it nullifies the life loss. It's just. Draw two Draw cards card. when your opponent deals when your uh, creatures deal damage. That's insane. And like uh, the last three drop I'll talk about that I I really enjoy. Well, maybe one maybe one more. We'll we'll see we'll see when they stop me. Um, but uh, <laughs> Sentinel of the Nameless City this is a new one, new one from Lost Caverns. This card is just great. I love it. It's a three four with vigilance that makes map tokens. That's all it does. But holy shit, it's fantastic on ETB and on attack, and it has yeah. vigilance. So like yeah. you can attack with it for free and keep it back on blocking that one also requires a removal spell you're noticing yeah. a theme here mm -hmm. the three drop slot you got you got to kill them yeah. like so every, far, every creature, creature honestly every yep. creature we've described so far is one that i've said hey this requires a removal spell mm -hmm. and, and so the by last turn one... three you want oh, you yeah. want that removal <laughs> yeah not even turn three like the, like turn you know five to six too because you mm -hmm. know there there are times where like you know the the mid-range deck is being more controlling and then They'll deploy their threats like it's like going into turn six. They they play their sixth land. They play a sentinel, and then they play a preacher of the schism, 
you know, which is another card that, again, must kill. You know, just it, it, it's hard to two four. How it, why why is Preacher combat? a two four? You have a three four and a two four at the three drop slot. And both of them just give you card selection or draw you a card or poop out one ones. Preacher of the Schism poops mm-hmm. out one ones with lifelink. And this is quite relevant in this standard because I keep getting queued up to people playing poison. Uh, the one ones are white vampire tokens. So Skrelv is kind of shitty in that situation. You have a green, a black, and a white yeah. creature. So that's actually very, very relevant with the card. But just, oh, yeah. you know, when you have the most life total, you attack with Preacher and lose a life and draw a card. Again, you just accrue so much value with a lot of these cards, yeah. specifically the three drop slot. Yes, and Preacher is worth noting that if you have a higher life total, you will draw a card and gain and a lose. life and lose a life. Lose a life. Okay. If you have a lower life total, you will make a 1-1 one, one with lifelink. So when mm-hmm. you need to gain life to stay out of your opponent, you make a lifelinker. When you have the life to spare, you get a card in exchange for the life. So they go kind of regress you towards the mean. And if you're tied, you get both. When you play this card on curve, and then you untap, and it sticks around on turn four, and you go to combat, and you make a 1-1 one, one and draw a card, it's disgusting. It's, 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 disgusting. it's great. I love it. Like, and again, it's a 2-4 with death touch. Like, it's got a big old butt, and it blocks everything. It's just like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do do about it? What are you going to do against a 2-4 death touch in combat? You can double block and trade two for one, or you most likely just want to have a removal spell for it. (laughs) Well, and the four toughness creatures really suck specifically in the mono red deck because most of my spells deal three damage, or, I mean, there are some that deal five, but you still... But the, like, you kind of want to save that for Shieldred. So, like, do I do this now? Do I wait for Shieldred? Because I can't mm-hmm. deal with Shieldred otherwise, and it'll just kill me. You know, it's it's a rough decision mm-hmm. on that part. Speaking of Shieldred, mm. the four drops in the stack. Now, yeah. Shieldred's real quick. If you've been listening to us for a while, or just have played Magic in general in the year of our Lord 2024 or 2023. You've seen a shield of the apocalypse. The yep. card is insane. It uh-huh. you, it can feel like you're in the apocalypse when you know your opponent slams this 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 big lady with really does though. all them legs. Yeah, like Shieldred can't say enough about her. Great card, perfect for this deck. But the one that's been that's a really sneaky four drop, and I really 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 I was kind of low on this creature, but I having played this Golgari mid range deck, I have fallen in love with the tortoise. Specifically, Blossoming Tortoise. This mm. card is just so, so good and fits great with which I'll, I'll lump the creature lands into the like the creature of this deck. A Blossoming Tortoise, a 3 3 for 4, mill 3, and you can put a ca- uh, land card from your graveyard on the battlefield tapped. Your land activated abilities cost one less, and your land creatures get plus one, plus one. Now, Blossoming Tortoise with Restless Cottage is insane. Oh, Those, yeah. Those those two cards are great yeah. together because your Restless Cottage now costs three to activate. It usually costs four, and now it's a 5-5 five five that whenever it attacks, it exiles a card from a graveyard and you make a food token. But three, man, three mana 5-5 five five basically, like, that's that's great. Like, it really helps your clock, and it's another, it's another reason why playing any kind of mid-range deck, and specifically um, Black Green X mid-range decks is the creature lands like throughout magic's history the creature lands have been fantastic and 
it is very heavily showcased within this deck and blossoming tortoise helps you so much with with that aspect of of playing this mid-range deck yeah that is a a sneaky one i like how magic is going back to um just having creatures like not a specific um you know how they'll do phyrexian or they're altered in some way but it's like literally just we have a template of zoo creatures that are on these magic cards like lci had capybara and it has a little oh, poison yeah, dart yeah. frog you know uh, what i mean like it has all these just, just basic creatures it's not like these dragons or demons or mm -hmm. like even dinosaurs not it's like creatures it's like here's a dog here's yeah. a fox like, yeah here's a big fucking turtle that does <laughs> stuff i don't know here you go like this is seem cool <laughs> yeah tortoise making your creature lands like your, your creature lands are adjusted and costed. Their activated abilities are costed fairly. So making them all cost one less means it's so likely you can, like, wake up creature land, wake up creature land, attack you. Like, mm -hmm. terrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> yep. So much so that it kind of demands a removal spell. Yeah. It's going to be a theme. <laughs> noticing so a theme. My thing here is that most of these threats in this, uh, basically all the threats in this deck have an ability to act as flag bearers, which for those mm -hmm. of you, who, you know, were born after the Clinton administration um, <laughs> might not recognize, but it's basically, if you're going to target something, it has to be this. Mm. It has to be a flag bearer first. And, like, Deep Cavern Bat comes down and takes your removal spells, so you kind of have to target the Deep Cavern Bat first. Mm -hmm. And to get your removal spell back, so you can target something else. And uh, Shieldred, you can't let them untap with Shieldred, because they'll gain life and get out of reach, so you kind of have to remove the Shieldred. If there's a Shieldred, and a Glissa that you can't kill in combat, and a Deep Cavern Bat in play, that's your 2-3-4 curve. Like, it's turn 4, and you're if you're playing against that, it's turn 4, and your opponent has said, I need you to show me three removal spells so you can keep playing this game. Which is really that's bad a, for mono-red aggro, because they don't yeah. want to be the control deck. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be the control deck if you're playing mono-red. No. So, like, that's it's so in, it's so interesting. If you're playing this deck, you get to stretch your opponent's removal spells to the breaking point, to the point where they need a large creature to act as a removal spell to help them stabilize. Because, like, I need to play my own shieldred to stabilize against your curve, right? And even then, it's not great because I'm trading with your... I'm In combat, I'm trading with your uh, creature because it has death touch too. I'm jumping your glissa because it has first strike and death touch. I'm trading with your shieldred they each have death touch and even then that's the best case scenario because if i play the shieldred on four and be like stabilize me shieldred you still have all those doom blades in your deck as a green black player to just mm -hmm. be like get out of the way mm -hmm. attack you wait kill your shieldred wake up this fucking wake cottage. up the cottage <laughs> get it there now go before i land a house on you like <laughs> the wicked witch of the wist whichever witch was in the wizard of oz that got 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 in the beginning. I don't know. I can't remember. I think it was West. I think you're right. It's the, the classic the East West. versus West, uh, you know, rap battle. The Wicked Witch of the West was not killed by the house. She was the main character that was survived. It, was it the Wicked Witch of the East? Oh, well, which 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 witch was killed by the house? Which witch, which was, was killed? killed by <laughs> Wicked Witch of the East. Again, oh. East versus West. Oops. Yeah. Well, the it started East with the witches. and West are the good are the bad witches. Bad the witches. North and South are bad are good witches. These are the hard hitting facts you come for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wicked Witch of the West is Elfaba. Elfaba? 
and she is not related to Glinda, the witch in the north. Mm-hmm. So these are just a bunch of lady witches <laughs> yes. hanging out. <laughs> I believe the gendered witch, according to J.K. Rowling, <laughs> is warlock. If you want to, definitely not just a completely different thing. I like how J.K. Rowling named characters um, in her stories by. What's the first thing a bigot would say if they were surprised by somebody's presence? It's very That's true. their name. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, a black person. Um, uh, his name's going to be Shacklebolt. I thought of slavery. Oh, no. What have I done? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. That's fucked up, but fuck their that. First name, <laughs> their first name is just like, their first name is just their character trait, and their last name is the thing a bigot would shout out if they were flustered and saw them. Yeah, that's a Oh, no, a weird up. guy. A weird guy that likes weird stuff. Better name him Xenophilius, like a xenophile. Um, love good hippies. Um, oh, this per this girl's a little crazy. Let's call her Luna. Yeah, we'll call her Looney. Luna, Luna lo- love good. Yeah, she's yeah, related because yeah. yeah, she's also go. a hippie. The name oh, of the Asian yeah. character, just the things that a, a racist person would say if they were badly impersonating the Chinese language and Cho Chang. Oh my yep. god, I forgot about that one. Holy shit. Pretty oh. much listed like most of the major characters. So there's a running theme here. Not great. Well, it's it's funny. I did see a, a stand-up, I forget the stand-up comedian's name, but he went on a bit where he's just like, Yeah, I don't hate JK Rowling because she's a bigot and a horrible person. I just hate her because she's a terrible fucking writer and she uses too many adverbs in her books. That's a whole mood. Mm. <laughs> Has anyone read Casual Vacancy? No. You know I haven't. It is the worst thing I've ever read because I read it before everyone found out back in the day when I thought that the Harry Potter series was literally just a trans allegory. Mm. I mean, okay, here's the deal. There was a child that when they went through puberty found out that they were not the person that they had been raised to be and had to find a found family that would accept them for who they are. Also, they lived in a closet. I'm sorry that I took that as an LGBTQ allegory, I thought it was a little on the nose as an LGBTQ allegory. And then later on, she's just like, no, that's a coincidence. Graham Lynam, let's make some horrible jokes. The guy who was a winner was named Victor. Oh my God. She's a fucking right. That's. She's a horrible person and a horrible writer. God. That's what we call the twofer. The two for the one? Two. The classic Rix's two for yeah, one. Yes, yes, there it is. You beat me to it. All right, so let's go back into magic two for one that aren't horrible. Uh, <laughs> we gushed about the creatures, but, you know, to round out the 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 black-green mid-range deck in standard right now, it's like most black-green mid-range decks, but the Planeswalker is in removal. The Planeswalkers, she's she's back in standard, a classic, Lily of the Veil. She's the ultimate mid-range card. She has been forever. The ultimate, you know, one of the, I think the best design, one of the best designed three mana planeswalkers. Like she's she, just, she's great. She's defensive. She's offensive. Yeah. She's whatever you need at that moment. She's the perfect example of a mid-range card. And uh, she costs three mana. If those yeah. aren't the things that define what a mid-range card is. I don't is know. It what it probably is. three <laughs> mana. Can it play offense and defense? And does it, given enough time, put you slightly ahead? Absolutely. Put it in the mid-range deck. Auto-include. <laughs> yeah, L- Lily, Lily's an easy one, but um, one that I've been seeing playing main decks and sideboards, and I've been playing in both throughout many iterations, is uh, Nissa Ascended Animus. That's that's what her that's what, what her name is. You got that one right. 
Oh, I did it. Oh, God. I I'll, Look, I, every time I see this card, I'm like, look, it's the elf lady that hates goblins in a real weird racist way. So She did do a genocide. Yes. And they retconned her into a better person, like they tried to do with BB Netanyahu. Oh, oh, fuck that guy. Ashley is just Ashley. This isn't even a sports thing. This is literally yeah. just a existing in the world yeah. thing. Yeah, you, come on. Well, you know how well I exist in the world, so not well for anyone that was wondering. Huh, BB is doing a genocide, and he's a terrible person. And fuck that guy. <laughs> I mean, I heard genocide, so it was enough to make me upset about it. I just didn't. This is the hard-hitting coverage we come to Ashley for. Genocide bad, right? You got it. I, I mean, like, that is a concept that a lot of people in the world are struggling to grasp. So, like... This is true. People, people suck. They do. She says, in struggling to grasp. Not the, not the genocide bad, but the, the, the topic. Oh. <laughs> it's like, what? I literally just said. Okay. I, I said genocide bad. What else do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. And the and the one Nissa did is bad too. But as a magic she card, she's very playful. She 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 gobbled all them goblins. She was the glizzy gulper. Oh, she was the glizzy gobbler. Like okay, there, there you go, there you go. Nissa Nissa's <laughs> the glizzy gobbler. Glissa's the glizzy gulper. Everyone's eating all these glizzies. I'm so hungry right now. I have some glizzies upstairs actually. I think I might make some for dinner. Good to know. So Nissa in this deck is pretty good as your top end threat. Uh, she can come down as a five drop or a seven drop. She's got the completed mechanic with planeswalkers, which is pretty cool. But she poops out a bunch of big tokens. They their power and toughness are equal to uh, the amount of loyalty that is on Nissa when you plus her, and that creates a token. That's her plus one. Her minus one just simple destroy an enchantment. And her minus seven is just Crater Hoof. Basically, your creatures get plus one, plus one, and trample for each uh, forest you control. So if you get to that ultimate point and you have a few forests, at, at that point, you should be winning the game. Pretty pretty simple for, for the planes. Card. Yeah, for the planeswalkers. And uh, Soren the Mirthless uh, has been seeing some play. Um, I haven't really tried it out, but I don't fault people for, for, for playing that. He's a four drop that gives you some sort of card advantage and... Poops out two, three, four. I mean, not some sort. Like... He literally puts you up a card by so, plus them, right? Just like literally. the most explicit base. It's, the most yeah. it's just dark confident, basically. But you can yeah. choose to lose life. But um, yeah, at, on like I just think Soren the Mirthless is hilarious because every time I see it, I just think it's um Mike Tyson trying to say merciless, and it makes me chuckle. For um, sorrow, two for <laughs> mirth, three for a funeral, four for a birth. Yeah, you know that nursery rhyme, right? Mm -hmm. The magpies. Uh, is it magpies or crows? I thought it was crows. I don't know. No, oh, it's magpies, right? I don't know. I, I thought, I don't know. I knew it was a bird. Five, Does that count? Five for heaven, six for hell, seven for the devil, his own self. That's interesting that they put that in that order. You would think it'd be six for hell, and, or the devil, and then seven for heaven, right? A seventh heaven had not come out yet. For what I, it, I never Don't talk about show. the dad. It was so all bad. Of, all of them made me uncomfortable. The, they were so bad. The, and then you learned what the dad Because they pretended did. they were religious, but they were actually so sinful, right? Yeah. They weren't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't meet the requirements. It was, I, no, stop. Asher was like, you're going to woman hell, which is the same as horny dog heaven. Can what? What? Nope. I'm, I'm just going to start talking about shitty Doomblade variants and you can chime Please in talk whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to remove myself for just a moment. Please. 
continue <laughs> recording without so me. just the removal suite for black green mid-range if you're still here it's still a magic podcast <laughs> but yeah the removal suite uh it's just a bunch of different doom blade variants and by doom blade variants it's just two mana black removal spells that have some sort of stipulation right uh one is go for the throat we've discussed destroy target non-artifact creature mm-hmm. there's bitter triumph which is a new one uh, an additional cost you lose three life or discard a card destroy target planeswalker or creature and then one of my favorites right now specifically in this meta uh is anoint with affliction uh there's a lot of like okay yeah there's a lot of um mid-range decks that have you know two and three drops that you would be okay with exiling them um or just removing them in general and for those of you who don't know, Anoint with Affliction is just exile target creature with mana value three or less. And then it has a, um, if it is, I think it's the mechanics completed or whatnot. But if your opponent has more than three poison counters, Corrupted. it just, there, there you go. It just, if, if your opponent has more than three poison counters, it just exiles a creature. Anthony's uh, packing cigarettes. But uh, Anoint with <laughs> Affliction has been great in the main and in the side. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it because with the Esper Rafine matchup, uh, in the mirror, like Anoint with Affliction actually exiles uh, Mosswood Dread Knight, uh, which is very impactful. And <laughs> I'm trying to get through this without laughing, but Anthony's <laughs> making it very difficult by being a shithead. But Anoint with Affliction is a great uh, Doomblade variant. Uh, same thing with Go Over the Throat, same thing with Bitter Triumph. And Cut Down is a one mana removal spell. It's not Fatal Push. But it's closest. It's the close we'll get uh, in standard, so that's pretty sweet. And another great removal spell that's also an enchantment is Virtue of Persistence. It gives something minus three, minus three, and you gain three life as the adventure. And then it's a seven drop that just reanimates whatever is in the in the graveyard, yours or your opponent's, at, at the beginning of your upkeep. So that's the removal. Nothing it's crazy. A debtor's knell. A what? Yeah, yeah, believe it or not, the card debtor's knell. It's like a staple together. Um like ulcerate but cost one more mana and you gain the life and the backside is a debtor's knell like mm-hmm. the reanimate something from a graveyard a oh, oh, did that. both of those were <laughs> about what about stapling they're stapled together no yeah stapled the literal card like it's two literal staples so the, 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 the expression <laughs> of two cards are like oh. a split card or something <laughs> like that is two cards are stapled together Got did you it. think we were doing when a bit said and that... stapled something no i was thinking of um meld I think from Innistrad, where you could melt oh. cards together. Oh, uh, or Clee? Yeah. yeah, that's what I was saying. That, no, that's... she's talking about literally meld the one oh. where the the back of the cards was a sideways oh, from the top to bottom half, where it made the giant card like oh. the um, oh fuck, what I were the those. angels? It was uh, Brazella, Bra- yeah. Brazella, Bruna and Bra- Gisella, Bra- Brazil, Brazella, Brazil, Bruna and Gisella, and it turned into Brazella. Yeah. What in the fuck Twilight naming convention was that bullshit? You got me. The designers got lazy. I don't know. <laughs> Giselle put it together. So, <laughs> I don't know. I think in this deck, your removal spells that you have in Green Black Rock are going to be like really good offensively and really kind of bad defensively because yeah. you just like don't have mm-hmm. enough removal spells to be the control deck all the time. Yeah. You mm-hmm. are good at being the control deck until you can get back to being the beatdown deck. And that's the main thing. Is like there's that back and forth where two decks are fighting. Who's going to be the beat down? Who's going to be the control mm-hmm. deck? Who's on offense? Who's on defense? And you're good at like breaking serve and getting back to being on offense again. But if you're just like backpedaling and like remove a thing, remove a thing, remove a thing, remove a thing, that's a great way to lose a game. 
in this deck because all of your removal spells, you, I like to call, I like this example where you are playing, imagine playing the card murder, one black, black, destroy target creature, right? Mm -hmm. Versus playing the card unlicensed disintegration. Let's see if I got that right. What, what does unlicensed disintegration do again? Oh, it's. It's something, it's from Calendar right. Standard. Like, yeah, it removes something and deals damage or some shit. It's Murder Bolt. Destroy yes. target creature. If you control an artifact, it deals three damage to that creature's controller. Mm. You, all of your, you're, you don't want to be playing murders. You want to be playing unlicensed disintegration, right? Mm -hmm. Because unlicensed disintegration kills the thing and deals them damage. So, like, all of your, all of your removal spells are better on offense, which means you're using them to get their stuff out of the way and hit them. If your removal spells don't don't net positive you that three extra damage, they're not really doing enough because you don't have the critical mass that a dedicated control deck would have mm -hmm. to be able to just answer a threat, answer a threat, answer a threat, and then they and run out of threat back. before yeah, and then they run out of threats before you run out of removal spells. You are going to run out of removal spells before most decks run out of threats. Mm -hmm. Like so, you really want your removal spells to be offensive in this in this deck because. They're just so much better that way. Love, love that point. Completely agree. Because, you know, we, we we talked about being, when you play a mid-range style deck, you can pivot from the aggro to control. But like Anthony said, when you're being, a, in when you're in a more controlling standpoint, your end goal should be to get to that aggressive standpoint. You're not the control deck is just going to slam, you know, like a finisher planeswalker. You know, it's, it's, you want to, you want to get to the beatdown. In uh, post-board games, I think you have like two main options. You can go either bigger or you can go more disruptive because your games after sideboarding are naturally going to become like more interactive. Your game one plan isn't going to be good anymore, or at least not as good as it was in game one. That means that you can change things up to be a bigger mid-range deck with the ability to go over the top of your opponent, or you can position yourself as the aggressive deck that adds in more disruption, right? Your role as a mid-range deck, like we talked about before, means you're going to be switching between offense and defense and back to offense and back to defense when you need to. But sideboarding gives you an opportunity to make your deck better at one of those plans and usually at the cost of the other plan, right? So if you mm -hmm. find you're playing a matchup where, and again, remember, sideboarding in standard is about plans. Sideboarding in every format is about plans, but sideboarding in standard really, really highlights this. You have to pick Okay, now that I know what I'm playing against, and what I'm playing against is mono red, I understand I'm going to be on defense a lot more, a lot higher percentage of this game than I am on offense. So I'm going to tweak my deck to be better at being a defensive deck. Okay, and then versus if you're playing against blue white control, you understand you're going to be playing offense a lot more, a lot larger percentage of that game than you are playing defense against them. So you want to transition your deck to be better at the offensive side of things. And understand that usually means you're taking out cards from the other plan. So if you're trying to, if you say, I'm going to tool my deck to be a better defensive deck, that usually means you're cutting some of your offensive cards and vice versa. Yeah, And, and I think like, offensive cards like duress. And I like your point of going back to what we talked about, like sideboarding and standard um, in past episodes where it's the whole prescriptive, descriptive discussion we've had where you focus on plans and not the specific cards and it's it's like this like the it's standard the the cards are they're gonna in a sense do the same thing most of the time but just be slightly different but it's the same game plan try to be as overly specific as you would in like modern or like even pioneer in some sense like like basically what anthony was saying just try to f 
focus as much on the plan and not like I need to bring, bring these specific cards in against mono red or control. Yeah. There was an exercise that we did when I first started playing the mono red deck. Nathan did and he would have the sideboard and he, instead of listing the card names off, he would say, do you want to do X thing? And he would read off the effect of the card. He's like, based on what you mm -hmm. just played against, do you want to do this? And as he read it off, I was just like, no, I don't care about that. No, I don't care about that. And then he'd read one and I'd be like, yeah, I like that one. I think that'll help X thing. And I like that particular thing for mm -hmm. thinking through the general concept. Which really I, I think that's a really good plan. I like it's that a very a lot. good plan. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's helped me. And I know as so as the aggro player, like we talked about, the switch between offense and defense is really hard for me because aggro decks that I've been playing aren't meant for that either right they're very <laughs> like they usually about, aren't yeah yeah they're not supposed to do that thing um mm -hmm. but i'm also glad for standard in that generalization i don't have those tools and i need to use removal on creatures sometimes which isn't technically what i want to be doing if possible well you uh, do because remember we talked about the difference between an offensive removal spell and a defensive removal spell right sure like yeah. a defensive removal spell is I'm going to use a removal spell on every one of your threats and you're going to run out of threats before I run out of removal spells. Like, yeah. I'm not applying pressure. I'm just extending the game with this removal spell. If the removal spell is extending the game, it's a defensive removal spell. And if the removal spell is shortening the game, it's an offensive removal spell. All of right. your, your removal spells in Mama Red are offensive removal spells, right? Because mm -hmm. yeah. they're not going to be good forever. Mm -hmm. Stuff like Witch Stalker's Friend frenzy literally says attack yeah. first if you're if you do this <laughs> mm -hmm. after you are attacking this spell gets to be a better and better rate the more creatures you're attacking with the more offensive right. you're being the better rate you get on this all of your removal spells are offensive removal spells they're there not to stop your opponent's threat they're there to get your opponent's blockers out of the way mm -hmm. right well, the thing that I keep thinking, though, is like specifically with mono red, you often don't have enough mana to do like, obviously, you want the witch stalker to work, but you often don't have enough mana to do the thing the mid range do does, which is wanting to remove a creature and then play the creature and then attack with the creature. Right. Because yeah, if you're only exactly. removing the one creature that's the biggest threat and problem, but they still have blockers and you're playing one and they have one creature, you still mm -hmm. can't really attack. So that's yeah. kind of the thing that you run into sometimes. Um, but then maybe that's from decisions ahead of time where you didn't play you, as you should have with. When when that's happening with Mono Red, I often find that you've given your opponent a turn somewhere. Mm -hmm. Somehow yeah. you gave your opponent a turn. Like speaking of Witch Stalker's Frenzy, because it's one that really incentivizes you to play. It's a removal spell. It is a red aggressive removal spell through and through right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's designed specifically with your haste threat deck to make it so that if you play a phoenix chick pre-combat then attack your witch stalker frenzy costs the same as if you didn't play the phoenix chick right because you've got one more attacker phoenix chick costs you one mana yeah if you play one of your two mana two two with haste mm -hmm. one of your uh, valley dasher effects Mm -hmm. Um, that effect that card only costs you one mana be if you're casting that Witch Stalker's Frenzy. Witch Stalker's Frenzy is a card that really wants you to be able to double spell because yeah. it tries to make itself cheap. And if you're struggling to cast Witch Stalker Frenzy, it either means that you drew it too late, which happens, mm -hmm. or it means that you're not really using it as an offensive removal spell. An yeah. offensive being 
attack before blockers get this out of the way. Mm-hmm. So I, I like I like this I like this whole discussion about specifically which stalkers frenzy, but also just removal in an aggressive stance because I feel like when a lot of people play like specifically this black green mid range deck, they think it's a mid range deck. I just remove these creatures, stabilize, and then go attacking. But I feel like when you play specifically in this standard or just like any mid-range deck like this with a bunch of black removal format. spells in it, in any format, you should have that mentality that you are the aggressor. You want to go to attacks, remove shit out of the way, and just get your opponent dead. Not be the like, oh, I'm going to yeah. stay here and remove some dinky things and then do it. Like, no, you want to have that mono-red aggressive mentality. Yeah. yeah, because a mid-range deck, it's good at being able to switch between being the aggressor and being the defender, being on offense and being on defense. But the mm-hmm. goal should always be to get back on offense. You don't want to sit there in a defensive position for five mm-hmm. turns. You are going to lose games that you should be winning. You want to you want to be on defense long enough that you can snatch the offensive uh, title back from your opponent. You're like, no, mm-hmm. I'm the offensive player. You want to let them, if you're on defense, you want them to attack Use a removal spell, use a block, trade, untap. Okay, now I'm now I'm on offense, shove. Because mm-hmm. all of your cards are just better. And that's just that's not a specific thing about uh, this deck or even this format. Is all removal spells are better when you are trying to progress your game. And they are much worse when you are just extending the game. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes the way to win the game means you have to extend it, right? You yeah. have to make yep. it go longer. Um <laughs> And like for mid range, because their card value will outlast card value like mono red. I mean, yeah, there are times where where the burn spell deck has to be the control deck. It's usually not very good at it, and that usually nope. finds itself in that position a lot less. The main example I can think of is like burn in modern versus old infect. Mm-hmm. Um, like you it's were the control deck, example. but like yeah. yeah, but I think. That's uh like if you're playing green black mid range and you're playing against the mono red deck, you're gonna spend a lot of your time in the defensive role. So you want to use that sideboarding to help you play cards that extend the game. Mopey Thrag Tusk impersonators do that sort of thing. Like your random stuff that is just like gets in the way, lines up well against uh two toughness removal and gains you some life or just like gums up the board, stuff like that. Stuff that extends the game. That's how you know you're playing defense. But again, mm-hmm. even against mono red, your goal is to play defense only as long as you need to to be able to be on offense. You right. want to play defense until you get to a point where you're like, my creatures outclass yours. Great, I'm on offense now. Because yep. the best way, the best way to remove a creature in the game of Magic, and it always has, is to force your opponents to chump block. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. The, the best way to remove a creature is to force your opponent to chump block. Mm-hmm. And that you get to put your opponent in a situation where if like you've got a three three and they've got a two two and they're at three life and you attack them, they have to chump block. That's the best removal spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it doesn't cost you any mana. It's a zero mana card. Imagine a zero mana removal spell that replaced itself. Yeah. You would snap off putting that in your deck every time. Mm-hmm. For sure. The best removal spell ever printed. Chump block. Yeah, it's just forcing your opponent to chump block. And look, uh, we we've talked about. Like specifically the black green mid range deck in this standard, but a lot of what we talked about, like the concepts, not the specific cards, but the game plans and the overall, you know, feel and and game plan of a mid range deck. You can apply this to 
most mid-range decks you play in multiple formats. Like, it's there'll be different cards, but it's a very similar plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because what makes a mid-range deck in Standard makes a mid-range deck in Modern makes a mid-range deck in Pioneer. Pioneer. And for, makes It's all the same thing every time, and it's the fact that it is a deck who plans to be comfortable in both the defensive and offensive role and is able to switch between them less painfully than other decks. Here at the Goblin Trash Masters, we love competitive magic and we want to see it flourish. We know that there are tons of local game stores that want to run competitive events like RCQs, but might not have the resources or experience to be willing to try. Maybe they have tried, but they're a little nervous about getting back on that horse. We're excited to announce a new program all about Comp REL that we're calling the Comp REL Assistance Program, or CRAP for short. CRAP is there to help your small or medium LGS run Comp REL events like RCQs by providing them with support and materials necessary to run an outstanding event. Competitive integrity is our top priority, and we can help your store to break into the market of listeners like you. CRAP support involves either assisted hosting or remote consultation with our hosts who have a combined 23 years of tournament organizing experience. All participating stores receive a kit that contains everything they need to run a great and accurate event with things like an in-store event poster, table tents, deck registration sheets, and plenty of stickers and tokens to give out. Best of all, this assistance program is completely free of charge for your LGS and always will be. We offer assistance in the form of remote event planning via consultation or in-person hosting for stores within range of the Lexington, Kentucky area. Our goal is to do our part to support competitive magic, not to try to make a profit off of your LGS. If you think that your LGS might be interested, have them reach out to us via our website. The instructions are available at www.thegoblintrashmasters.com slash crap. That's www.thegoblintrashmasters.com thegoblintrashmasters.com slash crap. Spelled C-R-A-P. Like how a child would say shit. Wait, that's been, that, that's been like that the whole fucking time? None of you fucking told me. We can't actually have this as the name. You know that, right? Everything's printed, bud. It's too late to change it. No, 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 no. We should call it something less awful. Like uh, the competitive... Unified nerd training. Yeah, competitive unified nerd training. Yeah, that's way better. Jesus fucking Christ, you're both stupid. And guessing game time. So we don't run even longer. Mm -hmm. Is it time for... He has tape stuck to him. Oh, God. Imani is struggling. Struggling with cellophane. As many times as you've opened cigarettes in your life, you would think that you wouldn't struggle so much with that cellophane. I'm really struggling with it today. It'll it'll get you. (laughs) All right. Guessing game. I'm going to pull up. Wheel of Names. Our guessing game for today is pretty simple. We've been talking about Golgari mid-range. So we are going to talk about our favorite Golgari mid-range card of all time. Now, this can be in any format. Does Mm. not matter which format. And it can be a past format, one that doesn't exist anymore, like an old standard. But Mm -hmm. each of us, oh, most importantly, it does not have to be both colors. It's just a card from a Golgari mid-range deck. That is yep. It. Okay. Now, how this guessing game works is we each have a card in our brain ready to go, and we are going to give each other cryptic hints as to what that card is, and our co-host can always ask yes or no questions to help them guess if they need it. Um, and we encourage everybody that's listening to play along. Scream at your center console in your car. It's fun. 
you should do it. You should frighten the people in the lane next to you. Mm -hmm. I've got my Golgari mid-range card in mind. How about you all? Oh, I got it. And I got a cryptic hint, and I'm pretty sure you're going to guess it immediately. All right. I already have a guess before you give a cryptic hint. And then then, then yell it out. I'm spinning the wheel of names. We're going to see who's going first. Ooh. Oh, it's Kyle. All right, Ashley, give your guess. Deathrite Shaman. No, it is not. That That's a good one, though. That is that so. is a very You've good one. You've already also used that one. I, so, I've know, used whatever. that one, but... so I, I I decided to choose. Like I, I will be completely honest. It's like one of my favorite cards of all time, and it's like one of the perfect mid-range cards. But mm. um, my cryptic hint, and I'm pretty sure Anthony will get this immediately, uh, Anthony, you bought all of these cards that were being sold on eBay. Tarmogoyf. There you go. It's Tarmogoyf. That's a good one. Uh, That's a really yeah, good one. Like, I, I, I fucking love Tarmogoyf so, so much. Tarmagoo, my boy, doesn't see a lot of play anymore, but I will always love Tarmogoyf. But do you mind telling the story of the cryptic hint, Anthony? Oh, there was somebody I know that uh, was talking about how excited they were that... Uh, Tarmogoyf was so cheap on eBay that like finally Tarmogoyf is like 30 bucks. Don't look at Tarmogoyf's price now. Um, yeah, don't. They were so excited about that. And while they were talking about it, they were finally going to buy their place out of Tarmogoyf's because they are like a Jun stand through and through. Mm-hmm. And this was at a stage in their life where like buying cards for Jun was like a significant. Yeah, it was, like, it was a lot. Was yeah. younger. Um, <laughs> So while they were talking, I went onto eBay and bought every copy of Termogoyf in the price range they talked about. <laughs> for what it's worth, they did get me back. I did, I did need a Kefnet for an event a few weeks later, and I was talking about it outside, and they heard it, and they ran inside and bought every copy of Kefnet in the <laughs> store. It was good. That was good. Sure, That's good. Right. Yeah, I love it. All That's right, great. let's see if somebody can take a little longer to guess. For for what it's worth, though. Not being able to purchase that Kefnet probably did help my win percentage for the. So it was That's really fantastic. Didn't need it in the deck apparently because it was. It's a terrible card. All right, let's spin and see who is going next. It popped oh, over into Ashley. It did. I thought it was going to be you. All right, hit us with your best shot. This art. We're in a horror movie. It's exactly where the dumb teenagers would go. Sulfurous spring. No, that's a good guess though. Is it Not, Restless a... Cottage? <laughs> yes. Oh, it is. Oh, that's a good one. You love it. Yeah. Oh, I love. I love that card so much. I I love this whole Manland cycle. They're great. I, I really do enjoy this. I cycle. think that it's so it's so much better than the one. Um, was it called Vime? Called the Storm Giants. I like this one a little bit better than that. This is really cool. It's a really cool creature land. Mm-hmm. It's just a four four, the big chonk and beater that mm-hmm. comes in there and poops out food. Oh, yeah, love it. Love it. I like it. I don't I think, I'm not diss. saying it's a better card in general, like some of the effects on. You just like them more. I just, yeah. I just like these ones. These ones are nice. The I think they're cool. No, they, 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 uh, they bring me back to like the oh, what was it? OG Zendikar tap manlands with like Raging Ravine and all them. Mm. Cycle gives me that vibe, and I, I, I dig them. All right, that just leaves Anthony. This, this one will probably take like you know five minutes to get because he's gonna be real cryptic. This mm. cryptic hint is especially cryptic. I'm going Ooh. to be honest with you all. Well, All right, this thing, uh, let's go with it this way. X, <laughs> appear in minor, harmonic minor, pentatonic, etc. Why are we talking about music? Because if one 
note known as the brown note can make you poop can force a human being to poop themselves then this then this x is a whole set of frequencies that connect these notes together that each collectively or individually could make you poop is x in the mana cost (laughs) x is not in the mana cost okay uh is it black it is not is it green is okay uh is it a creature it is is it a creature that when you play it like the feeling you get is you poop yourself because it's so powerful (laughs) it is it is not so powerful but it is a set of frequency intervals that can make you poop yourself but it is not an individual frequency that can make you poop yourself like uh the brown note would be does would it need other cards to function it does not it can do its business all by itself pun absolutely intended are there activated (laughs) abilities on the card i'm going to oh god come on is it played in this standard no is it played in modern no um it is not an activated ability i will give you this much of a hint it is a static ability is it a planeswalker no that's a planeswalker ability oh planeswalkers can have static ability yeah but you said it's a creature it is a creature um so green was it played in a standard past yeah is it three mana it is three mana it's a it's a it's a mid-range card of course it's three mana it was right that's standard. why i guess three. <laughs> oh my okay. god is it glizzy no okay it's not black <laughs> so it's only the... gr- it's only green and it's three mana what is those are both true is it one green green it is go back to the frequency thing ashley i think you are yes. on this is what a is very the frequency good connected to um the name of the card i'll tell you that much oh now remember a note like the brown note can make you poop yourself. But this isn't just a note. It's a bunch of notes that are connected to the same notes of double the frequency all the way up. It's not a brown note. It's a brown blank. So brown is in the name of the card. It is. Okay, so brown something. Is it brown something or something brown? It is brown something. I, I honestly, I, I might not know what this a green card, card is. So do we know like what? Con- a, no, no. Do we know what a series of notes connected each by double the frequency of the note previous to it is called in music? No. Uh, this 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 hint has been hardened. Uh, scale? That's right. Brown scale? It, that's right. You got half the name right there. Oh. So you oh, know that it has brown oh. scale in the name. Oh my god, is it, it here. I, is is it, the is the name did we mention this name? When we talked about what the guessing game was, does it start with G? Yeah. So Golgari I don't remember Brown Scale. It. it is Golgari Brown Scale. It's a whole scale of notes that will all make you poop. So for the everybody at home who also has no idea what this fucking card does, it is a one green green two three lizard. Uh, and when it is put into your hand from your graveyard, you gain two life and it has dredge two. Why is this your favorite? <laughs> is it a sideboard life gain card that you what just love? It just keeps coming back. Yeah. yeah. It's, the, it, it's just there. It just gains you two life, and then you play a 2-3 again, and then they have to fight through it, and then you dredge it and gain two life and put it, play it back again, and they have to remove it again. This card I have uh, never mean, heard of this card. What? A 2-3 oh. common that comes back from the graveyard, you gain two, and dredge two, you can... I mean, it's... 
it's it's it ties into exactly what we've been talking about this whole episode. It's like the ultimate. It's one of the ultimate, just like sideboard three, three mana mid range cards. It's just so good at just it's like so being good. Like, it's just so good at never dying, really, never going away forever. You just keep playing it, and it'll it's it lines up well against your opponent's offensive removal spells and your opponent's defensive removal spells. Get it out of the way and attack. You better kill me this turn because otherwise I'm going to gain two and play it again. And then they're just like, I'm dying to this thing. Kill it. Okay. It comes back. Comes, comes right back. <laughs> oh, I drew dredge it. I, oh, I drew another Golgari Brown scale. Play it. Y- you lied. Rude. This would make your opponent shit their pants. <laughs> nah, that's this not what I'm saying. This yeah. Is, this that takes was the old standard card. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Popper. Popper? Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Vince would be proud. This would be really good. Just, I was very proud of the pentatonic scale related hint. That was really good because I had no fucking idea. I was like, this has relevance to something in the card. What's it connected to? We were right, it's connected to the name. The fucking name. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps us out a ton and makes it easier for other players like you to hear what we have to say. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Peanut.fm, and iHeartRadio. One of those was not real, but we'll never tell. It was Peanut, wasn't it? Oh, shut the fuck up.